You're listening to Real Investor Radio with Craig Fuhr and Jack Bevere, where we cover advanced real estate investing topics to help you stay ahead of the curve in your real estate investing business. Welcome, everybody, to episode 28 of Real Investor Radio. We're back. It's Craig Fuhr and Jack Bevere. We were talking on episode 27, Jack, about um, planning for 2024. I think it's a great time of year for investors uh, at every level to really be planning out uh, uh, what they want their businesses to look like in 24. We're obviously up against some headwinds. Uh, we've talked about that on previous episodes where the economy might land in 24. Um, you know, by all accounts, it's going to be sort of a sideways economy, Jack, if we're lucky. If we're not, we might hit a little bit of a recession. But now is the time to really take a look at your business and sort of the rocks in the business, as they say, in traction and how you can get better, have the, having those difficult conversations, hiring the right people for the right roles. And we were talking, Jack, on the previous episode when we uh, took a break about uh, cultural index, predictive index, and these behavioral assessment tools and how important they become at Dominion in your growth as a company. Um, you were at, admittedly not not a uh, a believer in these types of, uh, of assessment tools until you went and took a two-day seminar <clears throat> on the cultural index and you became a real evangelist, as you said. So one of the questions I had, folks can go back and listen to the previous episode, but uh, one, of the, one of the questions I had, Jack, was, so in, in both the predictive index and cultural index, you sort of have these brackets uh, or buckets that uh, people sort of land in. Um, I think in the predictive index, I'm what's known as a maverick extrovert with uh, sort of introvert tendencies as well. Um, you know, I'm a you know, a big visionary, high flyer guy, but I don't really pay attention to great detail all the time. You know, sort of typical of that uh, bucket of people. When you're out there now and you're looking at a person for a position within the company, Jack, let's, let's, I'll ask you to take any position. What were you most surprised about when you were like, oh, that is the, uh, when they're taking the cultural index and the cultural index says, no, that would be a great HR manager. Like, this is the type of person that you're looking for. What were you most surprised about, Jack, when you were like, we're going to adopt this and we're going to place people into, into roles based on their cultural index? Was there anything that really stood out to you uh, in terms of placing folks in the right position? Yeah, I had a um the the where where we had misfits, like folks we had hired for their resume, for their experience because they interviewed well, because folk, you know, they just, you know, because they interviewed well. Um but that their that their personality survey was not the right fit. One of the things that really surprised me was that it exposed how much behavior modification people were doing, right? They were playing a part. Like becoming the, the, chameleons for that for that time to to fit into the role yeah that, that, that wasn't them that wasn't their default that wasn't actually their personality survey so when i engaged with them they were who i wanted but then when i walked out of the room they were not they they went back to being themselves hmm. and there was a lot of that going on where they understood what they what the what the role required uh and so they played that part but when, like I said in the previous episode, but when they're alone and when they're stressed, they revert back to their, who, who, you know, the, their personal selves, like, you know, who their, their true selves. Mm -hmm. And 
in a, in a moment of stress, if that's not who I wanted, well, then that's not who I got. And, uh, there was a lot of that kind of behavior modification going on and it immediately exposed it, right? Like I immediately saw past all of the, you know, the, the meeting presentations that went really well, you know, cause I would, I'd had this hard time reconciling, like, how did, how did you do that? Like, I just don't understand how you did that thing. And then through the lens of, of culture index, I was like, Oh, that, of course, like it, it was, you know, the, the world made sense again, right? Like mm -hmm. all these situations all of a sudden had like that, you know, were exposed for what had really happened there. Um, so that was, I would say probably like the biggest, the biggest surprise. And it, and also it helped us to realize that we had some of the right people, but just in the wrong chairs. So yeah. we just, we played some chess and moved some folks around. They had tons of institutional knowledge, but we were asking them to do something that, uh, that they weren't, designed to do right something that i've evolved this, this is like a truism that i've heard uh in <laughs> you um you you rise to your level of incompetence mm. like you know you, you get promoted you know you get promoted and promoted and promoted and promoted and then when you stop getting promoted you know that's like it's because you're not very good at that job so mm -hmm. like you see a lot of like folks who like it's it's a it's a it's a dig on government often right like that like you know someone at this level is like incompetent well like you know they they're vice president of whatever like yeah, they've been here they, for 15 years man come on right yeah so right. they get they, they get yeah they get promoted based on seniority and institutional knowledge not based off of they're the right person designed for that chair um and so this is by the way this is like endemic in sales organizations as well right the sale the best sales guy wants to be the sales manager because he's a hard hard driving you know wants to win you know person and so like you know and, and and gets gets something from being the guy in charge right but you know but the I'm, this is not a dominion comment but but the but it's a, this is a thing in sales just broadly speaking but the so you have to be careful about your your sales guy wanting to be the sales manager mm -hmm. um because he uh be, because he wants that for the status of it, because he wants it for the, you know, the, the outside, um, uh, you know, validation that it gives him, but he was a phenomenal salesperson and he's a, but, but, but being a salesperson and a sales manager are completely different job descriptions. Those totally. things are totally different. They don't even look alike, frankly, that's, that's right. But you often have the, the, the top sales guy wants to be, wants to get promoted to the sales management position. And then you have a, you know, not the right fit there. Right. Um, those shouldn't, those things shouldn't even be on the same track, frankly, like the same, you know, promotional track. Um, can you think of any time, Jack, where uh, you 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 were looking at a potential applicant, thought, yeah, everything works out here on paper, look great from experiential standpoint, and then they took the cultural index, and you guys, and you were like, mm, no, I'm not going to go down that road. Uh, Did, yeah. Can, can you think of a time where the cultural index literally took you in a completely different direction and, and caused you not to hire a person? Yes, absolutely. Um, and actually the way that they recommend the way the culture index recommends that you, um, uh, approach it is that don't look at the resume if it's not a fit, because you'll try and start, you'll start telling yourself stories. So we actually, we've probably had some extraordinarily qualified applicants who like never even got an interview from us. And they're probably like, what the hell is going on over there? Like I'm perfect for this right. job. 
but their personality survey is something that is very different than what we've than what we think we're looking for for that position and so they we don't even we literally don't even open up we don't even click on the attachment like it's we we're only looking at the attachments that are the right fit from a person from a human point of view right so we're starting with the human and then seeing do they have enough experience that this learning curve is going to be not so painful right mm. like but we're much more interested in hiring the right human than we are hiring the, 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 the hiring experience, frankly. Yeah. So, um, just staying on this topic here, what, um, in 24, what, what roles are you guys looking at right now that you're looking to fill Jack that, uh, that, you know, the cultural index is going to come into play. Do you have anything specifically that you like to talk about? Well, we, we use it universally. So we, we literally use it for every single position. Um, we are, doing less hiring right now. I mean, we're still hiring on the sales side of things um, because we want to grow volumes and uh, it requires more bandwidth right now. It requires more, um, yeah, it requires more bandwidth. It requires more talent on the sales side of things right now than it has, than frankly, it has in the past, right? In 2021, when you were selling, when we were selling 4% mortgages, you know, we, we could take orders. Yeah. Uh, today, you actually, you know, really need to be a consultant to, um, to the folks that you're providing capital to. They're looking for not just money, but, uh, but advice and counsel and, um, yeah, and, and the right, ma- you know, advice on matchups, you know, you know, what's the right game plan for their business. And so they're, they're looking for, frankly, a higher level of advice than they, than they were in the past, because when you're borrowing at 4% money, the, the answer is simple. Yeah. Borrow it. Sure. Um, but uh, so that that's something that we're continuing to hire for, and we're doing some like I guess filling in in the um, uh, you know really it, I think a lot of the positions that we're hiring for right now are doing it to to increase and improve the customer experience. Mm. Um, I just think that's I think that's where the market's gone, right? Like that's yeah. that's where you know I think companies in general need to be on a going forward basis. So that's where think, our focus is. I think after spending time out at IMN, it it felt as I walked around to all of the you know nationwide lenders like Dominion Financial, I I, I kind of saw table stakes. You know, it's like hey, we do bridge loans, we do this, and we uh, we you know all the terms seem very similar. And so I think the differentiating factor moving forward is that sort of advocacy role um, for the the borrower. Um, you know, being someone who's been on the other side of the table is is not a bad thing. Uh, and so, yeah, I love the idea of not just being sort of, you know, uh, the 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 low cost provider, right? That nothing ever good comes from that. That sort of commodity based business, right? Um, yeah. So speak last, last, uh, last part of the uh, bullet point on sort of cultural indexing and finding the right fit for people. So if we take, you know, there's a lot of folks listening, Jack, who are hiring acquisitions uh, guys and disposition guys, and they may not be lenders, but they're hiring people in sales positions. As someone who has hired quite a few salespeople over the years, Jack, what is the cultural index that you all look for in a salesperson? The I think it's probably it's typified for a persuader, um, so high, high A like someone who's driven. Um, they use A B C and D. It doesn't matter if you haven't gone through the training; it won't mean anything to you. I'll just describe it. But so someone who's driven, willful, uh, who's also outgoing, personable, can connect with people very easily, 
Uh, someone who's a multitasker, they can handle shifting gears very quickly because you have to go from talking on the phone to you know taking an inbound call and immediately trying to you know meet this person and get them to like you, uh, but at the same time understand. Uh, you know, and and then and then in the next gear, like shift gears to reviewing to reviewing an appraisal to then dealing with a closing issue. Um, and so, you know, being able to switch gears quickly and and get a lot of stuff done, multitask is we think something that's important. And then having enough detail to, uh, to having enough detail to make sure that the product has been explained completely, that the process has been explained completely, that the documents get collected that are necessary. Um, there's a, there's a classic salesperson role of, of just like who has very low detail orientation, right? Like just very low. And they, they're, they're, they're killers in terms of lead gen, but then they, the, the handoff to ops is horrible, right? Yeah. And then the customer experience suffers for that. So we're looking for someone with just enough detail orientation to do a handoff to processing so that the loan can get closed smoothly and the borrower doesn't get surprised because something wasn't said. So, you know, aggressive, outgoing, multitasker, just enough details to to keep the the train on the tracks, but not so many details that they get bogged down and and they're not able to ask for the sale, you know, Uh, that's kind of the classic uh, outside or inside salesperson. What type is absolutely not going to make a salesperson, Jack? If if uh, if I if I take the cultural index and I and I come up as this uh, personality trait, again, don't know the exact term there that I should be using, but what which one would be the complete opposite? Run in the other direction, like you're an accountant, like the the one that would be typified as an accountant, like you know someone who wants to who wants to help, but they're kind of quiet. Um, and introverted, they, you can give them a great to-do list and they'll execute on the to-do list. Number one, and then number two, and then number three, and then number four that, and, and and with a very high details orientation where they're super focused on it being perfect the first time Mm. that combination, phenomenal accountant, phenomenal inspector. Like we have many of those people in our, in our organization, but not in a, but not in a sales role. Sure. Um, and then there's you know there's lots of stuff in in between and the difference between like practitioners and managers is a material difference um and and as the organization changes and there's also you know it, it's it ends up being a very like um uh custom to the company uh decision because depending on who that person's working with you you design it with that in mind right like hey i need you to manage a team of these three people and and here's what they do well who you typify what you typify the manager as depends on who they're managing and what those folks are doing mm-hmm. um so it's not a um it's not you know that management and, and that may be different at a different company depending on the particular job description so um, it ends up being a custom, a custom kind of thing, which is why Culture Index offers these, uh, you know, this consulting as as a business model, and we use it all the time. We've actually made it, so we've made it standard. It's standard practice that a, that a new manager after ninety days goes through Culture Index training, so that they can use it, they can understand right, like how they were hired, so that they can incorporate it into their hiring practices, so that they can incorporate it more importantly, so they can incorporate it into their management style and their management practices, right? Like you want to talk to different people different way. 
Don't talk to them how you want to be talked to. Talk to them how, you know, don't, don't, don't communicate with them the way you want to be communicated with them with. Communicate with them the way they need to, need to be communicated with mm-hmm. so that they, their personality understands. And that's like an important skill to have. And this is, I think, a, a tool that, that informs that ability um, materially. And then we have, um, and then it's, you know, we have it required that every year um, we do a refresh and a consultation. The managers do a consultation to talk with uh, the, con- the, the consultant, um, the culture index guys, to about their team and the, the interdepartmental, intradepartmental dynamic, and also on a specific basis about each person and how, you know, just to try to, to, to frankly, to improve the employee experience, right? Like if, you've, yeah. if your manager knows how to talk to you, they'll be happier because they get more out of you and you'll be happier because you're being spoken to, you know, the way you prefer to be. Yeah. Not only talk, but in, incentivize as well. So, absolutely. you know, certainly absolutely. people are incentivized in many different ways. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of uh, early practitioners of predictive and cultural index um, sort of don't get the bigger picture. It's not just about putting the right person in the right role. That's very important. However, where it really blossoms in an organization is where you start to put the right teams together, where you have, you know, the right cultural fit for a team. And that, and I think that's what you're starting to see here at Dominion as well, because you guys have sort of taken it now to the next level and not just, not just right person, but how do we put the right teams together to, to really flourish? Do, so give you an example. We went from in 2021, the beginning of 2021, we had 25 people in the lending company. In October, we had 90 because the market opportunity was so significant because rates were so low that we added DSCR, the added the DSCR product, you know, a, a month or two prior to that, and we were like, this thing is taking off. Like, mm-hmm. we, it would be a shame to 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 miss this. We need to like hire, frankly, hire as many people as we can and build mm-hmm. this train while it's running down the tracks as fast as possible. So we went from twenty five to ninety people in like seven months. Unheard of. By the way, and it and it wasn't perfect. It was far <laughs> from perfect, but. It would have been absolutely impossible. That w- that w- it would have been an it would have been an absolute absolute travesty had we not had this tool. And it, it was a you know a, as it was a a major um, I would say a major part of our ability to scale as quickly as we did um, because we were able to get the right person in the right seats on a higher percentage basis, right? Like not perfect every time, still not perfect every time, but uh, a higher percentage of the time we were able to, to get that right on the first go. And so that was a, that was a huge part of that. I don't, I wouldn't wouldn't have even, but frankly, I wouldn't have even attempted it had we not had this tool in our bag already. I I would have thought this is an, an impossible task and I'm just setting myself up for abject failure. So Sure. Uh, it was the reason that we grew that. The reason we grew as much as we did. For listeners who want to learn more about uh, both, you can just go look up uh, Google Predictive Index or Cultural Index. They are two uh, different assessment tools by two different companies. <clears throat> Pardon me. But Jack, uh, without getting too far down in the weeds, can you speak to the cost of it? Do you have any? Um, are you that close to it? Yeah, um, culture indexes, <laughs> they charge based off a headcount. So it's like an annual consulting fee. 
based off of your headcount with for them basically just to be like on retainer. It's in like the mid to high uh, four figures, you know, thousands of dollars um, on an so annual not crazy. basis. Not crazy. No, but it's not crazy. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. not crazy. Yeah. Um, and then they they also tr- where they're probably making more of their money is on the training. So they charge two grand a head for this two day training thing. So even if you're coming, if you even if you're sending like eight people to them, and it's all your people, they're still charging two grand a head. So that gets a little pricey on an hourly basis. Um, but you know. I think, but it's been. I think it's been by far worth it. I think you know the the impact that it's had to our company versus the dollar. It's probably the most value add. It's the best value I think that we've like, other than reading a twenty five dollar traction book. Um, yeah, it's one of the best values that we've gotten in terms of how it's changed our business. Uh, and then predictive index doesn't have the same kind of one on one support, and they. I can't, I can't, I actually don't know the, the pricing structure for that. I know that it's, it's less though. It's less of an upfront monetary investment mm-hmm. to work with them, but you get less support. So, um, you know, it depends on if you, you know, if, if you have the gumption to, to take, take this on yourself. And if you want to have someone to call when you have questions, or do you just want to like dig through more videos to try to figure out, figure it out in yourself, you know, people go to different directions. Sure. All right, so we're talking about tools today on uh, that uh, Jack and Fred here at Dominion have used, as well as many investors across the United States, that to, to be better. We've talked about traction uh, and uh, the cultural and predictive index. Jack, what else? You, you said there was a few other tools and maybe a couple vendors that um, have been important for you that you're that you're going to lean on even harder, maybe in 2024. Yeah, um, just as a kind of a catch-all, we've we've we, we started we took on uh started using podio uh 10 years ago and it, it was very became very popular right at that time 10 years ago sure and did. we have uh we found it to be a very flexible um found it to be a very flexible tool it's kind you know and there, you can set up automations in it um it's somewhere between like a whiteboard and a google sheets um but with I guess you know you can dig in more in terms of like setting up different buttons and also setting up automations. Some folks have built you know big wholesaling companies around just Podio automations, and frankly, other companies have built full tools, you know, sophisticated tools based off of the Podio backbone. Um, what I like about it is that it's real. The learning curve is really not steep. Like you can mm-hmm. get folks using Podio in like an hour, and it's flexible enough that we continue to use it as kind of like the for where our other softwares and other tools fall short. Mm-hmm. Um, right? Like you, you buy a, a piece of software out of the box. And one of the things that I, uh, you know, really uh, pet peeve of mine and that I rage against is that I don't want to change my business processes based off of your software's limitations but it's also impractical to get a, a you know a significant software provider to add custom solutions for you. Right. So like, um, you know, you end up you end up like you know how do where do we track this thing that our software doesn't doesn't track? And for me, the answer has been Podio. Like we we use Podio as kind of like our catch all for where you know our property management software, which we happen to use Appfolio, doesn't incorporate the concept of lead certificates and rental registrations that we have to deal with in Baltimore City. So we track that stuff in Podio. Um, we track our inventory, our pipeline, all, all of the houses that we buy and sell. 
uh, in Podio. Um, we use Builder Trend for construction management itself, but for pipeline management, I, I'm using Podio. So I, I know that the house is in drywall in Podio, but that's all I know. But that's fine when I'm looking at my pipeline of you know 95 houses and trying to figure out you know manage cash flow and all that jazz. I just want somewhere where I can go to get a sense of that that stuff is moving. Hmm. Um, and so we, we'll use Podio for stuff like that. The learning curve is very low. It's very cheap. Um, so I still, very find, cheap. I still find it to be a very like cost effective, um, flexible tool to to fill in the holes where other stuff falls down. I, it's been a long time since I've looked at Podio. It's, you know, it was basically 10 years ago. It was just a, and I'm sure it's still similar. It's just a shell. It's a, it's a shell. It's a platform that you can basically uh, design uh, your functionality into. There's a lot of um, apps that uh, come prepackaged that, that you can also bolt onto it. Um, so uh, in terms of Podio, Jack, are you using it at all in the lending company? No, no, we've, we've gone everything in the lending company. We've, we actually went the other direction and we embraced, we, we, I got frustrated by the lack of, by, by the, the same idea that all the loan origination softwares that I found required me to change my processes, mm. required me to change the way that I did business. And in, and in private lending, you know, we can create as many, you know, you can create whatever custom terms that you want and, and every lender thinks that, you know, every lender designs their own program and works a particular way and has a little nuance. So there's zero industry standard. There's just, there is no industry standard. Right. Um, there's companies that, that are doing securitizations that, that advance rehab money. And there's other companies that will lend 100% or, um, ha, you know, some charge interest in advance, some charge interest in arrears. Uh, you know, there's, there's, the, there's just tremendous heterogeneity in, in private lending. And the, so, and the loan origination softwares, and it's, you know, as a software developer, it's extraordinarily difficult to build us a, a piece of software that can handle all that flexibility. Mm. And I haven't seen anyone that's been able to do it, but at the same time, I'm not a startup. So I didn't want to conform my, my business practices to the software's limitations. So we ended up going and into, into using Salesforce as a backbone and building pretty much a custom piece of software for ourselves. I would not recommend it for a company that does, you know, less than 20 or 30, you know, 20 million dollars a month of of originations because it's ex one it's ex it's extremely expensive. You have to have it, it's not particularly user friendly to, you know, to your average, you know, lender or real estate investor. Um and so as a result, you really have to have kind of sophisticated on staff Salesforce administration um that can now it's what's great about it is that you can kind of do anything like anything you want you can do and it's in that regard cheaper than uh having a software developer on staff mm -hmm. actually writing code um <clears throat> and the salesforce environment ecosystem is so large that whatever the best in class business practice is someone's created an app for that that you can bolt on that you can find in the Salesforce ecosystem. And now, so you end up charging, you end up building a big, beautiful machine that's expensive as hell, but it was cheaper than writing custom code. Yeah. Um, so we like, you know, for us, it was like a, a little bit of a middle, it was the middle ground between writing something completely custom for ourselves um, 
and taking somebody else's out of the box loan origination software and having to conform our processes to that. So, um, but it's, you know, but, but Salesforce is a whole, it's a whole thing though. Like that's, that's for, that's for an organization that's with, with like intentions to scale or it's not worth it. Frankly, I've often said that Salesforce is the Photoshop of CRMs. Like, yeah, if you, if you know anything about Photoshop, it's got a, it's got 2 million features, about a thousand of which anybody ever uses. (laughs) Salesforce is, is exactly that. Yeah. Unless you really dive into it and uh, customize it to your, to your business. Anything else on Podio, Jack? No, no. I I think that that's a great one to start with. Um, that, um, easy, low, low barriers to entry there. And then we, so just, uh, just cause we're naming stuff off. So we use, um, so I use Podio for, uh, we use Podio for, um, pipeline management. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use, we actually use a dumbed down version, not dumbed down, but we use a very basic Salesforce platform for acquisitions, our acquisition CRM. Since we were doing it on the lending side, I just adopted it on the acquisition side. Um, is that just and basically you're keeping track of different follow-up leads and campaigns? Yeah, yeah follow-up. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, appointments. <laughs> so our, all of our acquisitions KPIs happen to be in Salesforce. You could do it in something simpler, but since we were already in Salesforce, we decided to go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, so yeah, so technically we're in Salesforce on the acquisition side, though it's overkill, frankly, for that. Um, the uh, yeah, Podio is pipeline management. Builder Trend is our construction management, which is excellent. We've we've loved using that software. Um, is, that all, is that off the shelf, or did that require a lot of customization as well? We're we're pretty much an off the shelf user. Yeah. Okay. Um, Appfolio for property management. We're pretty much an off the shelf user for that. How long have you been using Appfolio, Jack? Because I I recall five that, years. Yeah, yeah five, five years in that range. Five six years. We were on. Uh, well, we were on kind of an, a, a no name. Uh, property management software before that, which required Tenant Pro, which we we needed to upgrade. It was kind of between. I I I, I um I would like to do a podcast episode on this, like Appfolio versus Buildium versus Propertyware. In mm-hmm. from my perspective, those are the three names that come up the most frequent. Um, so if you're like starting from scratch, or if you're on something that you, you know it's not quite working for you, those seem to be the I call them the three leaders in um in single family property management, you might add Yardi to that as well. Um, right. But Yardi is a much more expensive, a bit more geared towards multifamily. Oh, actually we were on Yardi and we switched from Yardi to Appfolio. Yardi was, you know, for us, Yardi, it was, we were on Yardi because at the decision-making time, it was the accountants versus the ops people and the accountants won. So they got Yardi. And then four years later, five years later, we revisited everything and the ops people won. And so we switched to tap folio and, uh, the accountants are fine. Yeah. They're living with it. So, <laughs> right. Uh, you mentioned, uh, that there were a couple key vendors. Is there anyone that you're thinking about, uh, working with in 24 that maybe you haven't worked with previously or maybe casting actually, some yeah, off? Yeah, actually when I was, when I was uh, mentioned that to you, um, what, what I had in mind was really kind of, um, what I had in mind was to emphasize the importance of asking your vendors what their goals are for 2024. So like, you know, we, we always do internal goal setting, right? We start with ourselves and then it's a good practice, I think, to, um, to do it with your employees and have your employees do it with their direct reports if you have, you know, two layers. Um, 
but then I think vendors are often, um, you know, take it for granted, right? Like, and they shouldn't be right. They're just as, just as integral to your successes as your direct employees. So like, you know, call up, call up your vendors and one, give them a personality, one, give them the culture index personality survey. So you know who you're talking to and then ask them what their, um, ask them what their 2024 goals are and, you know, both personally and as, as a, the company that they work for, what they're looking to do. And that, you know, I, I, we have found that that insight has been, um, really interesting and, you know, useful information for us, both in terms of, you know, seeing, seeing a problem coming down the road, but also understanding, just understanding motivation, right? It's someone you're doing business with. Why wouldn't you want to understand what their motivations are and where their head's at? So I think it's, you know, it's worth, it's worth taking a couple hours and going through, you know, the, the folks that you, the vendors that you most often are, you know, go, go through your QuickBooks, figure out who you're, you're spending the most money with and, you know, have a conversation with them. You know, you paid them 80 grand last year in fees. You know, you you don't think they're worth a conversation. I I think they, I think they are. Uh, so I would just encourage folks to do that at this, at this point in the year. Couldn't agree more. Can you think of anyone in particular, Jack, that, uh, that you're looking to have a discussion with? I mean, title companies on the lending side, we, we have a lot of outside vendors as well that we work with, um, AMC, you know, appraisal management companies, um, inspection companies, uh, internally on the real estate side, uh, on the title side, certainly, um, we, we use, a an, uh, a company that does rent court filings on a kind of a mass basis, right? Cause it's, it's you know, a ton of just administrative paperwork. So we can outsource mm. that for a pretty cheap rate. So there's someone who we spend a bunch of money with. I probably got like three different attorneys because we try to use specialists in their, in their field. So, um, the attorneys are, we, we work with a lot of like sole practitioners and small firms. Um, it's probably five or six of those actually that I think they're all worth like checking in with, you know, they're people that we, uh, really extensions of our own team. So it's worth, yeah, worthwhile. I- Especially if the company is growing uh, at a, at a rapid rate, you want to you want to absolutely make sure that your vendors are growing with you, mm-hmm. and and hopefully not going in a different direction. Like you want to be able to see the problems that they're having uh, internally uh, as you're growing as well. So uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more to have those discussions now. Uh, yeah, and it, and in these low transaction environments, I don't think it's something that should be taken for granted right now, right? Like it's been a 2023 was not a was not an easy year. That was a very difficult year, um, and so to um, heck, heck, even on the lender side, right? Like call your lender up and ask them what their goals are, right? Like how are things going? Like you guys still going to be around? You know, <laughs> like um, yeah, interest rates have ticked down a little bit, but you guys making money right now? I yeah. feel like that's like I'm not sure if that's an uncouth thing to ask. I think it's fine, right? Like I, I've had, I've had a, we had a technology vendor that I was negotiating with like four months ago and their mm. venture capital funded, you know, I was, so I was in, and you know, the, the venture capital stuff was like blowing up a couple months prior to that or like becoming very difficult uh, a couple months prior to that. And, you know, I was like, so how are you guys funded? Oh, we did a series A, series B. I was like, what was the valuation? We're like, ah, oh, we can't disclose that. And I was like, you guys, you guys burning capital still? Like, you guys, <laughs> you guys in the black yet? Like, will you, we're signing, you want us, you want me to sign a three-year contract? Will you be here? Um, you know, is what I'm really asking. You know, I think, you know, if you can figure out a, a not offensive way to, to ask those questions, like, you know, they're relevant to your business. As my uh, rehabbing business was really blowing up uh, in a, in the best sort of way back in that 2009, 10, 11 period. Um, I, I really felt like I had a, a much greater need for a better accountant. 
And I thought that the person who I was using was decent and certainly understood the business uh, because they had other real estate investor clients. But I wasn't getting the sort of service level that I wanted from them. And I wasn't really getting any forward looking advice. It was more, hey, send me over your bookkeeping. You know, we'll prepare the returns. It's going to be 800 bucks. Thank you. And so really had to have a very serious discussion with this person, a difficult discussion and find out like, what, what are you trying to do with your business? Because I'm, I need more of an advocate, someone who can give me better advice rather than just prepare returns. And it was clear that this person was not cut out to do that, didn't want to do it and was taking the business in, in a different direction. And so a great conversation to have at this time of year with your accountant, I think, in terms of where they are, where they're heading. Um, and whether or not you've got a good fit or not. So yeah, perfect example of it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So Jack, uh, we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Jack, uh, for those of you who are listening, has got a lot of great contacts uh, around the country in all different asset classes um, and uh, really all different walks of life in terms of real estate investing. And uh, we've reached out to, Jack's starting to reach out to quite a few of those people to schedule them for upcoming episodes. Lord knows I've had my I've met my share of contacts over the years as well that I've started reaching out to folks and we're really going to present um, a wide array of folks. We have a uh, Jack. Can you speak to the attorney that we have coming up um, on 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 I think an episode in early January, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Doug Stein is going to be joining us. I think next week. Um, he, Doug is an attorney out of Atlanta, solopreneur. A, gentleman that uh, runs a small, you know, runs a small firm, mostly his own work. Um, mm. I met Doug because we, in 2016, put together a captive insurance company, uh, an 831B captive insurance company, which is a whole multiple episode conversation <laughs> um, that is uh, that we use as a risk management tool for our business. We write ourselves insurance for which there is not commercially available coverages. So we write ourselves mortgage insurance. We write ourselves lead paint insurance, um, property and casualty deductible coverage. Uh, this is not for, this is not like doing a, a self pool for, uh, for workers comp or uh, GNL. Those are, there's commercially available coverages for that. That's not what captive insurance in this, the way I'm talking about it right now is, is for. This is for like, coverages that, uh, you can't get commercial coverage for. Mm -hmm. um, and so Doug helped us set up that captive insurance company back in 2016. And then I've just found him to be an, inc like just a, 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 an incredibly bright, uh, you know, thoughtful uh, mind. He's also, I think he also has an extremely dry wit and humor that I just think is hilarious. Mm -hmm. um, so as tax account, as, sorry, as tax attorneys go, he's, uh, I think he's a riot um, and anyway, so we've kept in touch with Doug over the years and invited him to the the Real Investor Roundtable Mastermind a number of times. He'll give a, uh, an update, probably at least on an annual basis, as to what's going on on the IRS side, any changes to tax code. So he's kept us apprised of you know the changes in bonus depreciation and the Inflation Reduction Act and um, all the stuff that happened with the Trump tax code, whatever it was four years ago. So anyway, we're going to have Doug on to talk about uh, kind of 2024 tax planning. Um, and he's that kind of guy that, that you were just talking about where he's, he's not going to prepare your return, but he'll help you think, you know, he'll help you think thoughtfully about where your business is and 
the changes to the landscape and make sure that you're not you know missing some uh, strategy that you should be taking advantage of uh, so he, he's not going to then go like do your tax return for you right. but he's someone who we talk to all the time to make sure that we are uh, availing ourselves of all of the opportunities you know uh, that we can in the code in, in the code yeah going to be a great guest really looking forward to that one couple other guests that I know that uh, you're you're working on that I'm I'm actually excited about is you know look man everyone gets into uh, real estate investing Jack because they think they're going to have that freedom that they're searching for that they wouldn't have in a, otherwise in a nine to five job but I think it's a very elusive thing for most I don't think that uh, the solopreneur ever really feels that freedom uh, that they might be looking for by and large. And so we're, we're going to bring some folks on to the show to talk about how they've designed uh, really great operations, yet they still have a life at the same time and even, and frankly, even a better life than most. Uh, and not just monetarily speaking, I'm talking about in terms of, you know, just their overall happiness and freedom. So I'm really looking forward to talking to a couple of those guests that I know you're thinking about and I'm thinking about as well. But uh, anyone else in particular, Jack, that you're thinking of right now that was on the list that I uh, can't wait to have them on? Yeah, there's a bunch of like I think really interesting stuff on the technology side uh, happening right now. Uh, some incumbents being displaced, and some really interesting new ideas. I'm sure some. I'm sure you know everyone's going to want to drop AI because that's the buzzword these days. But um, I guess I think some there real estate data. We started to use real estate data I think pretty early back in mm -hmm. like 2014, 2015, mm -hmm. uh, and I've I'm just I just nerd out on that stuff. So I. I try to keep tabs on like who's the latest and greatest who the, you know kind of the who is the latest and greatest and thinking on the on the real estate technology side and as public re public record information has become more widely available and companies have now become formed that are really digging into the analytics that are possible from crunching that data um not only on the lead gen side, but from a business intelligence and market intelligence point of view, I think that there have been huge strides made in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe some technology vendors that you haven't heard of, or at least some new products that they've been working on as, as the level of sophistication on the real estate data side continues to go up. Um, some real, some young, some young minds out there that are really thinking about it in, you know, in, in some new and innovative ways uh, are bringing some data products to market that I think are going to be, that are going to become table stakes and have the potential to be disruptive because, because frankly, if you're, if you're, if you were, you know, real estate's got a lot of old guys, right? Got a mm -hmm. lot of old, like a lot of older folks who are not that excited about a new set of login credentials. And <laughs> If they're not going to adopt these new tech tools, they're going to get smoked by a bunch of young guns who are because it's a material difference to your cost of acquisition, material difference to understanding the market landscape. I get fired up about that stuff because I think that they're, the tools are now getting good enough that they actually are going to be differentiators. And so um, we're going to try to bring in some of what we think are the, the best minds on the real estate data side of things to talk about... Um, new products as well as new ways of thinking about the data and what can be done with it. So, yeah, I, I have to be honest with you. I'm most excited about, um, about the, where we're heading with, with the guests in, uh, 2024. So folks, I would urge you to stay with us, subscribe, please leave comments when you can, Jack, it's been a pleasure talking with you again today. I wish you a happy new year, my friend. Likewise. Happy new year. For those of you who are listening, 
Happy New Year to you. I hope everybody had a great Christmas and holiday season. We'll see you in the new year in 2024. Make it a good one. Craig Fuhr, Jack Bevere, Real Estate Investor Radio. We'll talk to you soon.